0: Welcome back to Raw Vegan Lens. I'm your host Sherry Michelle. Let's go. We're going to pick up a chapter two with Raw Family, the Potenko story. I love this book. I love reading it again. I think I've read it probably 10 times. We're reading excerpts. I'm not reading the recipes in the back. I suggest you buy this book. For the recipes alone, the story is phenomenal, highly entertaining. Even if you never go raw, it's such a great story. Great pictures in it. You'll want to buy this book for sure. And you end up giving away so many copies, at least I have. Um, It's just not one of those books you can hold on to. I'm amazed I have a copy right now. So let's begin. To be raw or not to be raw. Victoria, I went to the bookstore and found books on raw foods. I enjoyed reading them. These books had more in them, more than just health information. The authors seemed to be free and happy people. I wanted to be free and happy too. Sergei, Mom was reading day and night, surviving on only a few hours sleep each night. I remember noticing a growing smile on her face during those days. Victoria, In the morning, while holding on tight to my heavy cup of strong coffee and digging my teeth into a warm bagel with my favorite cream cheese, I was trying to imagine having a raw breakfast. I asked myself, when should we start eating raw food, and how? Tomorrow I'll start. But the next morning I had my coffee in my hands before I was even able to think. I looked at my husband, who was enjoying his morning feast consisting of three bagels, two muffins, and a beer mug of coffee. I sighed. It was Christmas time and almost two months since Sergey had been diagnosed with diabetes. The poor child had difficulty sleeping every night. He had circles around his eyes and his blood sugar was high. His grades at school went below average. I was anxious to try raw foods but couldn't imagine doing it on my own. I tried to talk to Igor. He said, if it was this easy, all the doctors would recommend it. But they don't and they're well-educated people. You can try it. But you see, food unites people. If you will eat that crazy diet, eventually, it will separate us. I didn't know what to say, except that we had to do something. Igor's story. I was skeptical because I had tried a healthy diet before and it was a very negative experience for me. Many years ago in Russia, when I was 20, I became a member of a large vegetarian group. All their healthy food was so bland and so lean. I craved the food that I grew up with, our traditional aromatic Russian borscht with pork, fragrant rice pilaf with lamb, and a good piece of chocolate cake for dessert. Nevertheless, I was able to stay on a vegetarian diet for quite a long time because I had strong willpower, but I became weak. My energy was very low. Cavities formed in all my teeth, I lost lots of weight, and my buttocks were drooping behind me. I put up with eating tasteless dishes during the day and was cheating in my dreams. I envied all those around me who were allowed to eat anything they wanted. Then my inner wisdom told me, why suffer, why abide this? Are you happy? Forget about diets and enjoy life, and I did. Years passed. I became afraid of every new birthday as I was aging rapidly. At 35, I was already accustomed to having shaky hands, bulging eyes, white hair, fatigue, and extreme irritability. I developed insomnia. My arthritis was progressing rapidly, and the doctors told me that I would end up in a wheelchair. On rainy days, I had trouble tying my shoes. I developed a very rapid pulse, and even when I was resting, it was 150 beats per minute. Normal is 60. At night, my wife couldn't put her head on my chest because she said my heart sounded as if it would blow up. Finally, my pulse got so high that I couldn't work, and I went into the hospital. I was put on a bed, connected to the computer, and had my pulse and blood pressure measured. My pulse was now 178. Five doctors gathered around me discussing how to lower my pulse. They finally decided to pour six gallons of saline solution into my blood. After they did that, my pulse went down five points to 173. Then the doctors gathered in a circle around me again. Now they decided to stop my heart with an electric shock. They needed me to sign papers stating that I was aware that in 10% of the cases, the heart will not start again. I refused and went home. I felt exhausted. In a few days, we had a bill for $2,000 for professional help. Victoria. One day, Igor awoke with a swollen neck. It looked like he had a tennis ball in his throat. He stood in front of the mirror, touching his neck all morning. Igor was afraid that he had a cancerous tumor. I was afraid too, but a sneaky thought passed through my mind. Maybe now he'll go on raw food. As soon as the children left for school, we left for the hospital. The doctor drew Igor's blood and announced that he had severe hyperfunction of the thyroid. The doctor wanted to schedule a surgery soon to remove his thyroid. Igor then would need to take hormones for the rest of his life. Igor was devastated Having already endured nine surgeries for various ailments, none of which made him any healthier, he refused the surgery. Now it was the doctor's turn to be devastated. He said that it was an incurable, degenerative, irreversible condition. Irreversible condition. Look, he said, here's the newest thyroid source book. The doctor opened the book on his table, and I read, most people with thyroid disorder will simply get worse without treatment. After about 15 years, you would be a physical wreck. Igor said, "'I will go on a raw diet.' (laughs) The doctor shook his head. "'Actually, you're supposed to do just the opposite "'and turn the page in the same book.' I read where he was pointing. "'When your hyperthyroid, consume more butter, "'cream, cheese, and other dairy products. "'Peanut butter, mayonnaise, and animal fat help as well. "'Cut down on fruit juices and fresh fruits.' The doctor said, "'Your disease is so far progressed, "'you'll have to come back.' On the way back home, Igor was silent, but I knew what he was thinking." Igor, I was very sad. I didn't have any other choice than to go on a raw food diet. I thought, what the heck? I will stay on a diet for two months and then we'll go back to what I like. This is exactly what I mentioned to my wife. When I came home several hours later, our kitchen was empty so that we don't have temptations, my wife explained. The beginning, Victoria. I went to the supermarket to buy raw food for my family. There I became amazed that from now on my shopping would be limited to the produce section. I didn't know what to buy, so I was going in circles around fruits and vegetables for a long time before I finished my shopping. Other people were still buying ham, cheese, and coke. I was feeling so strange leaving the store without popsicles for the children. It was one case when the mind said, this is ridiculous, it cannot be true, you look funny. But the heart whispered, this is how everything works in life. If you don't do it now, you'll miss something forever. You'll regret it for the rest of your life. Valia. I will never forget this day. Sergey and I came home from school, and I was plainly shocked. Most of the kitchen appliances were gone, but in their place was a huge new cutting board, which was strangely placed over the stove. Sergey. I opened up the refrigerator and was horrified to see that there were no hot dogs, hamburgers, fish sticks, or bread. Nothing to eat. Only fruits and vegetables. I told my mom that I was willing to eat junk food and give myself shots, but my mom said that she would rather die than allow that. Valia. I wasn't really scared until lunchtime. We ate salad. For bread, we had slices of carrot. For dessert, we ate apples. Then I listened to my mother excitedly telling us that by eating apples and lettuce, we could cure our illness. Sergei, I had never before heard of anyone who lived on fruit. I panicked. My mom calmed me down, pleading with me to try it for two weeks and see how I felt. It's really happening. Victoria, we went on raw food, cold turkey. The first day was the hardest. Truly, I was not sure if we would be able to stay on raw food until the end of the day. I had a terrible headache in the morning and throughout the day. I, was also, I also felt weakness, fatigue, irritability, but worst of all was a constant appetite. In the evening, my appetite grew into torturous hunger. Valya was doing okay. Sergei had an immediate reaction. Sergey, The first day on raw food was not easy for me. I got a terrible migraine headache. The pain was so intense that the school nurse sent me home. It was hard to deal with the headache when I couldn't take any Advil. I didn't eat anything. Mother bought me an enema bag, but I protested with disgust. The only thing that helped was sleep. Next morning, the headache was gone. But now I had an earache. It was so violent that I stayed in bed. My father filled a bathtub with cold water. He told me to dip myself quickly and it every half hour. Doing this helped me a little bit. Late in the afternoon, my earache intensified again. I was lying in my bed crying. At night, my mother was lying next to me and gently massaging my head, face, and ears. As soon as I would begin to feel better, we would both fall asleep until the next pain attack. Surprisingly, in the morning, I felt much better, and I was very hungry. I enjoyed my breakfast, which consisted of pear, apple juice, almonds, and dates. I went to school, and Mom went to bed to get some sleep. All that day, I was in a very good mood. I felt myself light and clear. At home, I had a big salad made with lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers, onions, walnuts, and olive oil. It tasted so good that I changed my mind about salads. Truly, I miss my normal food, but I put up with it. So many shifts had already happened and it was only my third day on raw food. Igor. My enthusiasm and my fear helped me to get through the first morning and through the day. But late in the evening, I became shaky and angry. I wanted to eat. I went to bed, but I couldn't sleep. After rolling in bed for two or three hours, I got up and quietly tiptoed into the kitchen. I decided that I would start raw food life tomorrow. I was going to eat something like a baked potato or a boiled egg or at least a piece of bread, whatever I could find. It didn't take me very long to realize that in our now-empty kitchen, there was nothing to make cooked food with. Crunching my teeth, I went back to bed and kept rolling until I finally fell asleep. In the morning, though, I didn't feel as tired as usual. I enjoyed breakfast and lunch a lot. It was delicious, but it didn't satisfy me. I wanted my regular food, as desperately as people want a cigarette when they quit smoking. I understood now how addictive the cooked food is. In the evening, everything happened again, only I was able to fall asleep a little faster. I suffered like that for two long weeks. I told myself I wasn't going to do this. My parents never did anything for more than a couple of days. So I cheated at school by eating regular foods. I didn't want to go on raw food at all. I didn't even want to try. None of my mom's raw foods tasted good yet. I hardly liked apples, so I didn't want to do it. But the excitement at home did not wear off. Days passed, and then weeks. Then one day at school in gym class, we ran a quarter of a mile. This really isn't far, sort of like running around the soccer field one time. I finished that race second to last. The very last girl walked. It wasn't that my legs couldn't run fast. It was that I couldn't breathe when I was running. It was my asthma. There were some nights I could not breathe at all, but I was sleeping and didn't notice. But my parents were really worried and talked about it in the morning. Then I thought, wow, maybe I should go on raw food. I noticed how my mother and father had both lost weight. Not only did they look better, but they were gentler and they had more energy. So I decided to try it. I stopped cheating at school. Soon we were running that quarter mile again at school. Now I could run much more easily. I stopped breathing hard at night. I could move. I could go to gymnastics and I could run and do all kinds of things I couldn't do before. In the beginning at school, it was pretty scary for me what the kids would think of my lunch. Usually I brought a piece of onion and an avocado and some of these really weird looking things that they had never seen before. Other kids always bought pre-packed meals from the store. I was with this little paper bag full of unusual things. They asked, what is that? Can I try some? And I said, sure, have a piece. And they would say, you know, this isn't bad. I could eat this. One time I had a pomegranate. My friends loved it so much that there wasn't any left for me. I told my mom that I needed two pomegranates next time, one for me and one for the other kids. Most of my friends got interested in raw food and I started to enjoy my lunches a lot. Every time I brought something to lunch, they were curious to know more. So all the kids wanted to sit next to me. Sergey. After two weeks, I noticed that my blood sugar became more stable and I started feeling really good. I began to lose weight. I decided to stay on raw food longer than two weeks. Letting the body lead. Victoria. Soon we were discovered that our bodies have inner wisdom to lead us out of any wrongdoing. After eating the same salad for two weeks, everybody in my family got tired of it. I didn't know what to re- prepare, and one day we went out to the salad bar at Wild Oats Health Store. There we noticed that everybody's plate was completely different. Igor had mostly sprouts, Sergey cucumbers and tomatoes, valia, radish and olives, and I, scallion and avocado. After lunch, we all went to the fruit section and picked fruits for dessert. And again, everybody picked different fruit. Igor, black grapes. Sergey mango or blueberries, valia, figs, and I, persimmon. We enjoyed eating at Wild Oats and went there very often. Soon it became obvious that every one of us had particular cravings. We enjoyed eating at Wild Oats. I just read that part. <laughs> when a couple of months later, we met Dr. Bernard Jensen, a famous healer and teacher. He told us that Sergei needed to eat more mangoes and blueberries because they provide important nutrients for healing the pancreas. And Valya needed to eat more figs and olives because they have healing properties for her asthma. We were very happy to hear that because that was exactly what Sergey and Valya always wanted. That made us feel confident in our body wisdom. Sergey, I remember how during the first month of living on raw food, I had a cucumber attack. I was looking through the refrigerator for something tasty and out of the corner of my eye, I saw it. It was beautiful. It was a cucumber. I bit into it and right away felt that this cucumber and I were destined for each other. I finished it quickly and realized that only one cucumber wasn't going to do it for me. I needed more to satisfy my craving. My mom noticed that something strange was happening with me. She went to the store and bought two pounds of cucumbers. I ate those in one minute. (laughs) Back to the store my mom went, only this time buying five pounds, not two. It wasn't long after she got home that I was on my last cuke. (laughs) This was the last straw for my mom. Running to the store time and time again wasn't exactly her favorite thing to do. She went back to the grocery store, this time buying me a whole case of cucumbers. When she stepped through the door of our house, I was sitting on the couch awaiting her arrival impatiently. In no time, I was in that case of eating cucumbers. I was in that case eating cucumbers. This time, I ate only four more because my craving had left me my craving had left me. The almost full case was going to have to find another way of getting used up because I was over it. 100% Victoria. About a month on raw food, we really got bored with eating only salads. In one of the books, I found information about CHI, Creative Health Institute in Michigan. The book said that in at this place they teach about raw food we decided to drive to michigan as soon as possible it sounded unbelievable that we would meet other people resembling us igor at chi we found ideal conditions for making raw food uh, making raw a food diet most that's an unusual sentence at chi we found ideal conditions for making raw a food diet most effective Guests of CHI are completely isolated from any stress and temptations. The Institute is located on the bank of the Cold Creek and surrounded by many beautiful trees. We felt at home and among friends there. About 20 people from different states came to stay on a raw food diet for two weeks and to learn how to prepare tasty raw dishes. Every day we had different classes about the benefits of raw food. We learned how to make raw nut milk, seed cheese, raw soups, delicious dressings, live crackers, and even cakes and pies. Surprisingly to us, none of the staff were on a 100% raw food diet. Victoria, in a certain way, we were lucky as we all got to stick together and didn't have a choice. The addictive nature of cooked foods doesn't allow people to get off it slowly, similar to any other drug. One cannot usually stop drinking alcohol gradually. That's why there are AA meetings, where they urge newcomers to stop drinking altogether. There's a big difference between drinking and eating cooked food. Everybody knows that drinking is bad, but the majority of people innocently believe that eating cooked food is not harmful, and is even necessary. That creates another difficulty for anyone who is trying to stay on a 100% raw, raw diet. I don't understand why many people think that it is easier to go on raw food gradually, slowly increasing the percentage of raw food in one's diet. Can we imagine somebody quitting drinking 50, 80, or 99%? Yes, I quit drinking, but I drink 1% of what I used to drink. (laughs) One shot every other day. (laughs) This is not being sober. Similarly, 99% raw is not raw. Some people argue with me, but you most likely consume little amounts of cooked foods accidentally, unknowingly. That's right, it's the same way sober people may eat a cake that has alcohol in its frosting or dressing that has wine as one of its ingredients. They will never even notice that, they are still sober. What is more important, they are not consuming alcohol consciously. When you are 99% raw, this last 1% will keep the body calling for more addictive substance. It is very likely that at some meals, you will consume 50% or even more of cooked food. On the other hand, eliminating the last 1% makes the biggest difference. I've met very few people who were able to do it long enough, but that is when the real miracles begin to happen. When previously removed tonsils, teeth, appendixes, and even gallbladders begin to regenerate. Sergei, when I went on raw foods, I had eight fillings in my teeth. I remember that when mom was taking me to the dentist to fill cavities, those teeth were very tender. The doctor couldn't even touch them. After I stayed stayed on raw food for some months, the fillings started to pop out. I was surprised my teeth were not tender. I went to my mom and said, my teeth are rotting from this diet. She said, let's wait for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Within several weeks, the darkness in my cavities began to whiten and fill with enamel. At first, the enamel was yellowish. Then it whitened, then it hardened. Several months later, my teeth were as if they had never had cavities. However, no one else in my family experienced dental regenerating as I did. I guess I'm just the lucky one. Now I have all my teeth completely restored. You may look into my mouth, but you cannot say which tooth ever had a cavity. They restored completely. Valya. Before I went on raw food, I had a big gap in my front, in front between my two front teeth, and I couldn't whistle. They moved together quickly within the first couple of months, which was really quick. Victoria, by going 100% raw, you are lowering your addiction to cooked foods to a very inactive, practically hibernation state. A cruel and destructive monster, addiction to cooked food turns into a soundly sleeping giant. Does this sleeping giant ever cease to exist? I don't think so. If you want him to continue to sleep, you must stay on raw food for the rest of your life or all the miserable things will come back. But while the giant is sleeping, you can live. Of course, to quit 100% is a shock to the body, but it's a positive shock. There are, always, there are ways to soften that shock by other means without having to do it gradually. For this reason, when we went on raw food, we allowed ourselves any quantities and any combinations of food. Our only two restrictions were nothing cooked and nothing from animals except honey. We used honey because maple syrup is cooked for 40 hours. When we were beginning our first raw week, everyone in our family had a huge bowl of salad at each meal. I personally poured a half cup of oil into mine. We were pleasantly surprised when our food consumption began to shrink during the second week and went down to a quarter of the initial size by the end of the first month. Now through the wisdom of our bodies, we knew how much to eat and what to pick. Valia. As soon as we returned from Michigan, we ordered a Vitamix blender, a dehydrator, and a Cuisinart processor. Our assortment of dishes increased a hundred times. We started to make seed cheese, pate, nut milks, crackers. Sergey and I especially loved dessert. Our parents bought us some simple appliances at a garage sale. My brother and I burst into recipes. We as kids were able to have fun creating our own dishes. Our friends loved to stay at our house. I was eight and Sergey was nine. Most kids at this age are not even allowed to use scissors, but we use knives, blenders, and a dehydrator. Our friends enjoyed preparing food with us. I remember how they always asked, let's make something. One morning, I was waiting for a school bus to, to come. Our neighbor Barbara saw me and started talking to me. Your mom looks really good. Is she on a new diet? Yeah, we all are. What diet? It's a very good diet. We eat cookies and cakes and pies and ice cream and candies. <laughs> In the evening, Barbara was eating a raw peach pie with us. Running in the raw. Victoria. I read in a book, Reversing Diabetes by Jay Whitaker, that exercise is a must for the diabetic. I started to think about Sergey that he hardly exercised at all. Since we didn't put him on insulin, we had to make sure that we were doing everything possible to heal his body. We understood that exercising was fundamentally important for Sergey, but how to make him do it? Sergei. Mom told me that she and I would start jogging every morning before school. She knew that if, we didn't, if she didn't start running with me, I wouldn't run. At the time, we were both overweight, and I was ashamed to run on the street. I thought everybody would laugh at us. I had never run in my life before. I imagined it would be super boring. Very early in the morning, when I was in the most sound and sweet sleep, my mom touched my arm to get... Out of my warm bed to go running seemed unreal to me. It was still dark, but Mom was firm and I obeyed. One minute after we started running, we turned red as lobsters and were breathing as hard as water pumps. Two minutes later, we couldn't run anymore and needed to to walk. Our poor fitness was frustrating, but it was going to change because we enjoyed what we did. The morning air was fresh and clean. While walking back home, we were watching the glorious sunrise. We felt happy. I decided to start running for myself, not for my diabetes. Igor. I had been dreaming of running for years, but my poor body was chronically tired and it didn't have much energy for running. After staying on raw food for several weeks, I began to feel that my energy reserve was increasing. Slowly but surely, I started to run in the mornings. Our endurance was growing fast, and soon we were participating in small races. We even won a few medals. While running among other people we noticed that they had to drink lots of electrolytes or they would get dehydrated. They had many problems with blisters and foot and leg injuries. They had to load themselves with carbohydrates or they wouldn't have enough energy and could lose too much weight. We had none of those problems. That must have been a result of a raw food diet. Victoria. Once I called my doctor and told him that I was racing. He was horrified and told me that I had to stop running immediately because I risked sudden death. His words scared me a lot, and I decided not to call him anymore. <laughs> I had a very strong feeling that I was now in charge of my life. Soon we canceled our health insurance. Heavenly Enjoyment, Victoria. After we'd been on a raw food diet for six months, on my birthday I received a card from myself. I looked at the invitation. It's a dear Victoria, happy birthday. You and your husband are cordially invited to come to our restaurant. You will be served clams, salmon, crab, crab cakes, everything I had picked. I had forgotten about this. The previous year in July, I had decided to make a surprise for myself and prepaid for that birthday dinner at our favorite restaurant. My brain began talking. For 6 months we have been staying on 100% raw food like monks. We deserve a reward. This is my precious birthday. It's not a crime to eat cooked food once in six months. Come on. Everybody around us is eating mostly cooked food. Nobody's dying. I asked Igor, can we just go and look? Or can we just bite it and spit it out? Igor got excited. Sure, let's go. In the evening, we tried to dress up. None of our old clothes fit us anymore. We drove to the restaurant. It was so exciting to to wait to be seated. We hadn't been in line in a restaurant for so long. Everything was so exciting. The handsome waiter, the smell of the food, happy people around us. Our waiter served us our food. It looked delicious. It was going to be my best birthday. After the first bite, we thought we were in heaven. We felt high. We couldn't eat very much now because our stomachs had shrunk from our diet. Lots of food was left on the table. While leaving the restaurant, both of us had a very bad aftertaste in our mouth. During the five-minute drive home, we began to feel sick. By the time we got home, we felt weak and nauseous and had to go to bed. I knew it was from eating cooked food, but I couldn't believe how severe it was. Next morning, I woke up with an already forgotten feeling of fatigue. When I saw myself in the mirror, I dropped the toothbrush. There were eye holes instead of eyes in my red swollen face. I felt dizzy. I wondered, where did my health achievements go? When I looked at my husband, I wanted to cry. He showed me the blood that was coming through the skin under his knees. Igor's pulse was high. His face was red. He felt shaky and miserable. He had to cancel his work for the day. I said, I am so sorry, Igor, that I did this to you. But the worst of all was the fact that we began to crave cooked foods so violently that our continuing to stay on a raw food diet was a great risk. It took us many days to recover from our heavenly enjoyment in the restaurant and go back to our stable raw food living. At first, we didn't understand why other people couldn't, could eat cooked food without any visible problem, and we, who actually were in great shape, got sick. Then we thought of healthy people who would get sick if they would smoke or drink alcohol. Obviously, the human body builds up a protection against harmful substances. When human beings consume cooked food, their entire digestive tract is coated with a film of mucus the more poisonous substances they consume the thicker the mucus film becomes the naturopaths call it mucoid plaque this is how the human body adjusts itself to the consumption of cooked foods this mucoid plaque protects our blood from absorbing dangerous substances but at the same time mucoid plaque doesn't allow all the important nutrients to be utilized by the body hence people who eat mostly cooked food develop nutritional deficiencies In our case, Igor and I created a terrible shock for our bodies. We stayed for six months on a 100% raw vegan diet. Our body trusted us and removed its mucus protection. And then we went out and consumed substances from which we were not protected anymore. As a result, we got poisoned maybe 200 times more severely than anybody else at that restaurant. We've learned a very good lesson. Never ever will we do that again. Many people after staying on a raw food on raw food for 1 year or 2 months get off it. I wish we all understood the importance of our behavior during this particular moment. Often we say I became cold, I felt weak, I could not work and so on. First of all, we don't have to explain anything to anybody, but if we want to share, we need to make sure we speak the truth. Then it makes sense. The most important is to keep the truth for our sake. Nothing is wrong with saying it is hard, I could not make it, because then we have a chance to try again when we have better conditions. If we say raw food does not work, it doesn't fit me and so on, then we take the second chance away from ourselves. The fact that we breed fear and doubts about raw foods and other people does not hurt them as much as we hurt ourselves by closing the door to this most natural lifestyle. Considering all this, I want to warn you, don't become a raw fooder until you're absolutely ready for it. Maybe some of you are very excited and are ready to throw away pots and pans and to cover your stove with a huge cutting board. Sleep with this idea. Get enough information. Be very careful. You are not just changing your wardrobe. You are changing your whole life. I don't want you to do anything because I say so. I want you to change anything. If you want to change anything, please change it because you feel it is right for you. Do you understand the difference? Our body is talking to us. Victoria, there's nothing more important in the whole field of health than to learn how to listen and understand our body. Our body is miraculously made. It can never make a mistake. It is always doing its best, trying to make us healthier. Sometimes we don't see it this way because we don't understand our body's language. When we are planning to travel to a foreign country, we study the language of that country so we don't get into trouble or get lost. Similarly, if we don't understand the language of our body, we can get in trouble. How can we learn our body's language? When we we started our raw food journey, I didn't know that every little feeling, every pain has an important message for us. I missed or misinterpreted most of those signs. I never let my body lead me. I used to think that my body is a dull matter. I was very fat and very sick, and I didn't like my body. I thought that my body was very stupid, and it caused me only problems. My body gained weight from whatever I ate. It craved bad things. It created headaches, pains everywhere, and pimples where I didn't want them to be. It couldn't run without choking. Now my body looks totally different, but it is still the same body. It's me who changed. My body always wanted to be healthier. It was me who was ignorant and who always counteracted. Now I'm learning my body's language. The more I learn, the more I discover how perfect my body is. For example, pain. I used to think that pain is bad. It is like thinking that a fire alarm is bad. The pain system in the human organism is a perfect alarm system. Like the fire alarm demands that we stop the smoke, the same way the pain in our body is demanding to stop the wrongdoing. If we have several pains, there are several wrongdoings. As we don't destroy the alarm as it goes off, we should not try to destroy the pain, but to fix the cause. Do you really think that your body creates the pain to make you suffer? Healthy people don't suffer from long-lasting pains. When Sergey was snowboarding last winter, he broke his clavicle. The doctor in the emergency room gave him a prescription for a painkiller. Sergey refused to take it. The doctor told him that it was very silly because everybody who breaks a clavicle goes through unbearable pain during the first week. Sergey brought the pills home, but he never had to use them. As long as he stayed in a position that was best for the healing of a broken clavicle, it didn't hurt. But when he got tired of the same position and wanted to move, his body caused sharp pain as if telling him, sorry, but you have to stay within these limits until I repair your bone a little bit. His body was guarding him perfectly with pain. When we have a long lasting pain like toothache or migraine, the most important message we should get from this pain is stop eating. Perhaps you noticed that when you do have pain for several days, it usually hurts less in the morning because you haven't eaten at night. In our family, whenever we had any pain, we went on a water fast for just a couple of days and it always worked. If anybody in the world can heal our health problem, it's only our own body. All we need to do is listen attentively to our organism, so we can feel what kind of help our body wants from us. Maybe it wants us to fast on water or to rest or to eat certain fruit or to exercise. Our body is constantly communicating with us by different sensations. Understanding the language of our own body is our best health insurance. I used to think that the body was the lowest part of myself and that the intellect has to control the body. Now I understand that it's just the opposite. My intellect, my image is at the bottom. And my body is above, is my bridge to the universe. Through my body, I'm connected with God. My body works according to universal laws. It is a part of nature, and if I am in tune with my body, I can know what is going on in the universe. My body now helps me to understand everything. It's able to get vibrations from other people and transmit them to me, and I sense them. Our body is a very miraculous thing. When I began to observe my body very attentively, I realized that every cell in my body knows the future. My cells know what they will do tomorrow. They know what they will do in one year. When I discussed this with Igor, with Igor, my daughter, Value, was listening to us. Later, I found a note on the wall that said, how come every cell is so wise and altogether it makes such an idiot? <laughs> Economic crisis, Victoria. While our family was experiencing positive changes on the plane of physical health, our financial side had a crack. Our local county found a zoning violation in our business operation. And after several hearings, our business was shut down. We were quickly losing the ground under our feet. Our debts were growing. We were unable to sell our house due to zoning complications. Finally, we were in foreclosure. We rented a storage unit and began to pack our books, kitchen appliances, and other things. Suddenly, my brother called from Russia and told us that my mother was dying from cancer and she had maybe a couple of weeks to live. I hadn't seen my mother for six years. I had to go but I was afraid to travel to Russia alone. Igor and I flew to see my mother one last time and our children stayed with our friends in the United States. When we returned from Russia, we came just in time to watch the bulldozer smoothing out our oak furniture and other treasures in our former yard. While standing there and watching, I felt that my life, my past life was also bulldozed over, pressed with all that wreck and buried forever by the powerful machine. We were homeless and unemployed now. That could be enough reason for someone to have a heart attack, but I was actually feeling relieved. Staying on raw food had transformed us. So we got our children and our dog into our Astrovan and hit the road. We did not have any other choice. Living by Faith, Victoria. It seems that the universe is always providing us with a no-choice situation whenever we need to go further, but are kind of stuck in a door sill. I mean that we didn't want to go back and live like we used to live, but we were afraid to make a real change, to start living by following our intuition, to live by faith. So we were pushed. We had $400 in our pocket. Due to the type of visa that we had, we were not eligible to receive food stamps or other help from the American government. We didn't know where we were going, for how long, what we were going to do, where we would end up, and we couldn't explain why we were going either. We surrendered. For two and a half years, we have been traveling around the United States. We put 200,000 miles on our van. Amazingly, our car never had any major problems during all this time. We went spontaneously from place to place. While preparing raw meals for one church, we would get invited to a presentation at a next door senior center. At some places, there were only five people, at others, 20. We collected only donations. Sometimes we made less money than we spent. Sometimes we got no money at all. Sometimes we earned good money. Once, a community in the Bahamas paid for our airplane tickets to the Bahamas so we could teach them how to make tasty raw dishes. We learned that if we sincerely wanted to help, people gladly paid us. When we did not have money, we lived on sprouts and wild edibles. We always slept outside in free campgrounds in different communities or in our friends' backyards. We now had favorite places to stay in 49 states. We were sorry now that we had been chained to our house in Denver for so long. We had such a good life now. Every morning we ran, biked, and swam. Then we spent time reading, writing letters, discussing our plans. After having a delicious lunch, we worked for other people. Every night I read classical books aloud to my family. In the winter, we moved towards Texas, Arizona, Florida. Once we spent a week on a deserted island in Southern Florida. In the summer, we migrated towards spectacular Minnesota, Vermont, Maine, We lived like a royal family. We were relaxed and happy, no phone and no TV, no appointments, deadlines, or stress. We met many other people who lived this way. We had many opportunities to settle, but were offered good jobs at some health institutions. We were offered good jobs at some health institutions, but we hadn't had enough of freedom yet. Getting on the path, Victoria. Once in the fall of 1997, we attended a gathering of long-distance hikers. They were sharing stories about their hikes and showing interesting slides. Then a sports nutritionist, whose specialty was long-distance hiking, advised hikers how to eat on the trail. His recommendations were alarming to us. According to him, every hiker needs two pounds of M&Ms for every hundred miles in order to not run out of energy halfway up the side of the mountain. Hikers need to snack every hour on an energy bar or candy in order to head off those late-day energy crashes. He even suggested placing a chocolate bar under the pillow at night. Every time one awakens during the night, one needs to take a bite. The average hiker loses 20 to 60 pounds of weight during a long-distance hike. It is a real problem and a reason for many hikers to drop off the tail trail prematurely. To avoid weight loss, the doctor recommended to hikers that they inhale a half gallon of ice cream every time they come into a new town. We couldn't believe our ears. Instantly, we knew this would be our next project. We had already been dreaming of crossing the country on foot for a while. Now we had a mission, too. We asked hikers how much money they spent while hiking. The answer was about $4,000 per person. They also told us it usually takes about six months. There are three major long distance hiking trails in the United States. We picked the Pacific Crest Trail, 2,600 miles long. It starts on the Mexican border, not far from San Diego. Then it goes up north all the way to the Canadian border. In December, we headed across to San Diego. The raw food community of San Diego warmly welcomed us. To raise money for our hike, they hired us to prepare a raw dinner for our over 80 members. We got about $1,000. Some people traded backpacks for eguerous massages. Jamie from the Date People Farm supplied us with 4,500 Majul dates, five per person per day for the entire hike. Our friend Wayne Shelton volunteered to send us 42 mail drops along the trail. Local farmers provided us with discounted nuts, seeds, figs and raisins. We bought ourselves Teva sandals. That was the only footwear we had on the trail. We got detailed maps. Every day we practiced by hiking two to four miles or two to four hours in the mountains with pillows in our backpacks. We were getting ready to go. Early in the morning on April 3rd, 1998, Wayne took us to a trailhead. While the radio in the car was promising a sunny weekend, it started to rain. Wayne took our picture in front of the Mexican border monument, and we stepped into the rain. Hiking Without Cooking, from Valia's Diary. April 5th. It seems that with every step, I learned something new. Today, we hiked 13 miles, but my my pack seems light. We're hiking well, and I'm warm. I hope that doesn't change. April 6th, my ankle hurts, and it's raining. Everything hurts. We just found out that our rainproof coats are not rainproof. April 7th, we were hiking in the rain and got drenched. Our backpacks got waterlogged and very heavy. We knew that soon we would come to a big campground. We were sitting on a big couch in the ranger's office, warming up by the fire. We hung our things to dry by the fireplace. There are bathrooms in this campground, hot showers, and a roof. The mountains are beautiful here at Lake Marina. My mom and dad got four garbage bags from the rangers. Looks like these bags are going to be our rainproof coats from now on. One of the hikers from a group we saw earlier is lost. There were three of them, and they lost the trail last night. Rangers found him after midnight. Andy had been alone in the forest for 28 hours, and he looked miserable. He was afraid he would starve to death. Andy says he will never hike again. Now he's waiting for his mom to pick him up. Meanwhile, the rangers are treating him with refried beans. It's still raining, and we are praying for it to stop. April 8th. It was raining all night. I was hoping it would let up soon, and it did. We continued our hike and picked miner's lettuce on the way. We had a wonderful dinner of miner's lettuce, one cucumber, half a carrot, oats, and oil. We're really tired. It feels good to curl up in my warm, dry sleeping bag. April 9th. We woke up and it was so sunny that we put on shorts, short-sleeved t-shirts, and went barefoot. Later, we saw little chunks of snow on the ground. But the sun was so bright that we were sweating. Little by little, more and more snow appeared, and soon there was snow everywhere. We surely would have lost the trail if someone hadn't left footprints in the snow. The snow was old, and the little crystals were like glass cutting our feet. We stopped to rest on a bare rock and put on our sandals. We stepped in each other's footprints now because it was harder to make new ones. Every time I stepped, I didn't know if I would sink deeper. My feet got cold with each step. My feet got colder with each step. The ice crystals stabbed my feet, and soon they felt like a solid rock. Finally, my feet gave way. I misstepped and fell in the snow. I burst into tears. I felt I couldn't get up. Then my mother's arms pulled me up. We have to go, she said, and I went. But now none of us could feel our toes. My dad stopped and told us what to do. We stepped in the nearby snowy stream. The water seemed to warm our feet. We stayed in it until we began to feel unbearable pain in our feet. Then we put on socks and sandals, put out mats, and jogged in place. Then we got out foot warmers and put black garbage bags on our feet. Now our feet were warm. We continued on. At dusk, we crossed the road and headed north. We found a man and his family sledding. He said we were going the wrong way. He kindly gave us a ride to the post office, which was two miles away. We found a store with apples, dried fruits, nuts, and oats. The lady who worked there gave us a cabin, number 12, with warm bath, a heater, and beds. When dad took off his socks, we looked at his feet and froze. One foot was totally purple. Mom suggested with a trembling voice, "'Go wash it first.' When dad came back, his foot was fine. It turned out that the purple color came from the plastic bag that he had had on his foot. Everybody burst out laughing. We ate our food, which tasted so good, and went to a warm, cozy bed. My dad said we could have lost our toes. April 20th. Today we are going through a desert. It's so hot. The way I kept going was to imagine a fresh, cold, juicy watermelon. My back is wet with sweat. It's like someone is testing me. Behind the road there is a creek and every time I step towards the road, the road jumps away from me. It's like I'm walking on my nerves and my nerves are on the trail. Oh, my nerves are the trail. Boy, if I thought I was hot before, I was wrong. Now I'm really hot. (laughs) Then a miracle happened. We came upon a creek. April 21st. Today we hiked through the mountains, which had beautiful flowers. They're all so different, so colorful, so wonderful. I wish I'd brought my pastels. The barrel cactuses were fat and thorny with a crown of yellow flowers on top. The thin cactuses have a bright pink flower, and they taste better. The barrel cactuses taste like soft wood with lots of sour juice. April 22nd. We were hiking the big canyons in the San Felipe Mountains when it started raining. Once again, we were drenched and I got cold. But it was only my hands, so I stuck them in my short sleeves. We went around one mountain and came around to see yet another. I was so tired of constantly walking. I was soaked outside from the rain and inside my Garby garbage bag, I was soaked from sweat. I felt that I could not take one more step and asked to stop and rest, but my father said that if we stop, we'll get hypothermia and we could die. (laughs) So no matter how tired we are and no matter how far we have to go, we must keep moving. And we kept hiking and the rain kept pouring. My body finally went numb and I walked as if in a trance. Suddenly we came to a fence and then the road. Finally, Warner Hot Springs. We would hiked 32 miles that day and 100 feet to the hot swimming pool. When we got in that pool, we were the happiest people in the world that night. April 25th. It feels good to have my pack on my back again. We hiked all day to reach a campground. It was here that we met up with Gary, whom we had seen once before. He's hiking on crutches because he has diabetes. In his pack, he carries insulin for daily shots. And in the same pack he is carrying canned food pots pans and a small but heavy stove gary fell while crossing the last creek and severely twisted his knee since he was now abandoning the trail he wanted us to take his food supplies we thanked him but didn't take any gary was sure that we were just shy he brought us a box of expensive power bars v8 juice and chocolate bars mom just thanked him and took the box we later gave it to a campground host in the morning, we hiked two miles to a small town to buy some fruit at a local store. When I looked at food in the stores, when I look at food in the stores and see cakes and other cooked dishes, to me, they don't look like food. I don't relate to them. I don't relate them to things that I eat. They're just things that people look at. I know that it's food, but I look at it as little toys that kids play with. the plastic pies and hamburgers. It looks like that to me. When we go to stores, we go to the fruit section, and we go back out. As for the rest of the store, we don't even know what it's filled with. When I look at boxes of food, it looks like empty cardboard boxes with different pictures. April 26th. We hiked to a beautiful wild hot springs today. I swam the whole day. The next day I woke up and went swimming again. I didn't even eat breakfast. So my mom brought Sergei and me some tea and dates. Our plates whirled around in the pool. Swim, swim, take a sip. Swim, swim, eat a date. It felt good. It was our last day and I did not want to leave and possibly never return. But it would be fun to start hiking again. April 30th. Our 13-year-old friend Naomi joined us for three days. We took it easy and hiked only six miles in deference to Naomi. Dad still had boundless energy. He jogged all the way to where we started that day and back. Naomi didn't eat our wild salad, but she ate all of the food that she had. Salted peanuts, three power bars, and candy. May 1st. We each had three medjool dates and water for breakfast. We don't usually eat until 3 p.m. because after lunch it's much harder to hike. When Naomi tried her lunch, wild onion, miner's lettuce, oats, and oil, she said, I'm sick of your food. I hate it. I'm tired of oats. My mom asked her what she would eat. Naomi closed her eyes and said, maybe an apple or a banana. Later, we were hiking through a small campground when we saw a group of people having a picnic. They had two green apples and two bananas on the table. My parents asked them if they would trade fruit for a Russian deep tissue massage. One man agreed and Naomi got her wish. Tomorrow is Naomi's last day with us. We have eight miles before we meet her parents at the road. May 2nd. Soon after we set out, the temperature rose quickly. It seemed it would never end. Naomi was hungry and dragging. I found a horseradish leaf and gave it to her. Soon she asked for more. She said she would eat anything, perhaps even garbanzo beans. For dinner, we had a beautiful salad made with wild celery, wild turnip leaves, wild onions, and yellow mustard flowers. We used a pinch of raw rolled oats with water and kelp for dressing. Dad had used the oil for the massage. It was delicious. Nayoma said she never tasted food better in her life and had two plates. We finally made it to the road, and who was there but her parents with a basket of sweet organic strawberries waiting for us? Naomi was tired and hurting, but smiling. She kept singing, Miner's lettuce is so yummy, I just want it in my tummy. That evening we sat around the fire and chewed dates. Sergei got bitten by twenty ants and had to soak his feet in the stream. We sat around the fire and laughed at my dad's poem about a forest tick that he made up in Russian. May 6th. It was a steep climb all day. We logged 18 miles and we went through endless fields of flowers. Here, sweetie, let me fix your blanket. Sorry, my puppers need to be under her blanket. There you go. We logged 18 miles and we went through endless fields of flowers, orange poppies, bright pink, yellow, white, red and purple flowers, all sizes and everywhere. We passed right to the desert, but it was surprisingly cold. As time passed, it got warmer and then hotter. We took breaks under the Joshua trees. We tried a shortcut, but got lost. We had to hike back more than seven miles. We worried that we would not reach the post office before it closed for a three-day weekend. To my surprise, the cities are so boring. No matter what I do, it doesn't feel right. I even went to the park and swung on the swings, which is my favorite thing to do. And that didn't help. I cannot wait to start hiking again. May 10th. It is a very windy day. We hiked a white mountain made of chalk. I even drew with it. The next morning was made up of all different kinds of rock in one. It was a beautiful day. May 19th. It's raining in the mountains. We're stuck at the same campsite for the third day already. Usually when it rained, we would hike all the way to civilization without a single break. But this is different because we're 40 miles away from anything. May 20th. In the morning, I got out of my warm, soft, cozy sleeping bag into the cold fog. Everyone was hurrying and stuffing everything into their packs. After the short pleasure of breakfast, we were off. We've been in every weather but fog, and now we were in that too. We hiked through the tall, wet grass with our shorts so we wouldn't get our pants wet. I like the fog. There's something mystical about it. It took us all day to reach Sierra City, where we found a beautiful campground. Mom and Dad went to the post office while we kids stayed in the woods. I sat on a flat rock that was a perfect seat. I was a little scared because what if I saw a bear? But I calmed myself. Black bears don't eat people. They just want hikers' food. But I have honey in my stomach. What if they can smell me? But we hadn't seen any yet, so we probably won't see any. I was writing letters to my pen pals when I heard a sound like rocks falling. I turned around, and there he was. Big, wet, black bear. He was beautiful. So swift, but yet so clumsy. His fur was wet, so I knew he had just swum the river. He passed within 20 feet without even looking at me. After he passed, I understood. I saw a bear. The sun is warming the earth. The sky has not a single clouds. The birds are singing everywhere. In front of me is an ocean of mountains to climb. When I climb a mountain, I never know what is on the other side. A jeep road, a city, or just another mountain to climb. Just like in real life. Wow, people, we only have 52, about 14 pages to go. Should we just keep going? Yes, let's just keep going. It's a great story. If you're listening, Batenkos, I hope you're not upset. <laughs> and I hope everyone buys a copy of your book. Great recipes, fantastic pictures. I really, really love the pictures. Um, great before and after pictures, great hiking pictures, um, racing pictures, pictures of the kids making food. I mean, this book is worth its weight in gold. I highly recommend just getting your own copy. Buy, buy a couple copies. Give one to a friend. The desserts in here, the pictures of the desserts are incredible all right here we go ashland victoria when we reached ashland there was 40 feet of snow on the trail and we could not continue 40 feet of snow was just too much we could not see the trail and we had already been lost several times the rangers told us that they didn't want to look for us in helicopters so we had to wait in ashland for at least six weeks before the snow would melt and it would be safe to return to the trail it was a tough situation we had only five dollars our next mail drop was waiting for us 60 miles ahead at Crater Lake Post Office. We couldn't live in a town for six weeks without money. While hiking through Ashland, we came across beautiful Lithia Park. We swam in the river, had salad with wild greens, and camped overnight in the nearby forest. In the morning, we began talking to people that we met in the park and getting information about possible trades. We were offering garden work in exchange for a place to camp. Several people mentioned Wells Springs. They've recently had a bad flood, and there's a lot of cleaning to be done. A couple of hours later, we were entering Well Springs. Sorry, my throat is sore, but I don't want to stop. <laughs> the very first man that we met appeared to be the owner of Well Springs, Jerry. We had an amazing conversation. Would you like some help in exchange for free camping? The only help we need is in the kitchen. Mm, we cannot work in the kitchen. Why? We're on a special diet. What diet? Raw food. I can't believe it. We have organized an education kitchen and have been looking for a chef through the entire spring. We couldn't find anybody except tofu dog chef. And finally, yesterday, we were standing in a circle and praying to God to send a raw food chef our way. And here you are. I can't wait to try some of your food. We went to the local health store and Jerry bought everything that we told him to buy. Then Jerry took us to the beautiful kitchen with its Vitamix blender, champion juicer, processor, trays for growing sprouts and very sharp knives. We made borscht, nut meat cutlets, hummus and cake. Jerry and his friends loved everything. He handed us a key and a checkbook and said, "Do whatever you want here. I'm sure it will work well." We had a wonderful time working at the springs, working at the Springs Garden Cafe. Every morning we picked fresh greens and fresh vegetables from the organic garden in the back of the Well Springs. We prepared beautiful live food. We swam in the healing mineral waters. We were surrounded by many like-minded people. We met many new friends. Meanwhile, the snow on the trail had melted, and we were committed to finish our hike. So we packed and left to continue our journey on the Pacific Coast Trail, Pacific Crest Trail. As soon as we left, something happened that had never happened to us before. Our hearts were telling us, you've just left your home. You need to be back. The happy ending or the happy beginning? Victoria. We reached the Canadian border on September 16, 1998, on a stormy day. We had to run the last 10 miles in the darkness in order to reach the shelter in the Canadian State Park. There's really no way to describe a through hike to others. What to tell? That Sergey had 174 ticks? None of which bit him. Or that Valium met a bear one-on-one in the Sierras? that I crawled, out of my knees, uh, crawled on my knees four miles on a fragile crust of mushy snow. But we mentioned those things just for the effect. They're not important. The real treasures are hard to explain. The greatest thing we understood on the trail was that we don't need a lot to be happy. Our craving for traveling was over. We clearly wanted to return to Ashland and to start living there. And so we did. Jerry helped us to buy a trailer right at our favorite Wellsprings. Everything fell into place. We live now in the town of our dreams. In order to find it, we had to search in every corner of the United States for almost three years, and across the foot uh, of the country on foot. Sometimes we wonder: what if we had never hiked the Pacific Crest Trail? What if we had never left Denver? What if we never went on raw food? Sergey's teen message. I'm so lucky that I'm a raw fooder because I'm cured of my diabetes. I will never ever have to worry about getting sick with any life-threatening illness, no matter how serious it may be. I will never ever have to worry about any kind of Y2K problems in the future, for I know how to survive in the woods without any food for long periods of time. I used to be deadly afraid of spiders and of death, but I no longer have to worry about either. Raw food helped me to get rid of all fears. Several years ago, I used to be so petrified of death. I wouldn't be able to go to sleep some nights because I would be thinking. We sure live for a long time, but it's not even a second as long as we are going to be dead. It's like we're going to be dead forever and we live for only a half a second. This would scare me so much because I was attached to my body and to material things. It was incredibly scary to think of things like that. In time, I realized I shouldn't be scared anymore because just like birth is wonderful, death is wonderful too. I don't really, truly believe anymore that we die because one time at the Creative Health Institute in Michigan, there was a guy that sounded like one time at band camp. (laughs) Let me reread that with a different inflection. (laughs) I don't really, truly believe anymore that we die because one time at the Creative Health Institute in Michigan... There was a guy named Mike. He was carried in by by four big men. The doctors told him that he had two days to live. He couldn't walk or do anything, so he was put onto the bed. We started giving him wheatgrass and he started fasting. The miracle happened. Mike started walking within a month. He started working, helping to mow the lawn on the tractor. In three months, he was running in the mornings. He was going down the river with me in a river raft. He was really active and really happy for the first time in his life he said he was really happy mike used to drink a lot so only one percent of his liver was working after three months mike felt so excellent that he decided that he was cured and he went out and had a prime rib dinner with a girlfriend that night he died when my parents went to the hospital that night they took me with them to say goodbye to mike and i looked at his body and i touched his body It was like a piece of skin. There was no soul in it. It was just like a doll. It wasn't even human. Since then, I know that we don't really die. We go somewhere else, but we don't really die. Maybe that was the last step I had to take to realize that we shouldn't be scared of death. I no longer have to worry about fitting into any kind of group or culture, because when I became a raw fooder, I stopped caring about what others think about me. I'm not afraid of poverty anymore. Nor am I afraid of starving to death because I know that it's not possible. Now I'm no longer scared to live. I started liking to work and when I became a raw fooder. I started liking to work when I became a raw fooder. Before, when mom asked me to do something, I'd always do it the easiest way and as fast as I could. If she asked me to sweep the floor, I would sweep the dirt under the rug. If she asked me to wash the dishes, I would just rinse them, like put them under the water. I hated work. In the summer, I used to sit all the time on our couch and not do anything. My friends and I would be bored for three months and we couldn't think of anything to do. After about a year into raw food, I wouldn't be able to enjoy a TV show knowing there was a big pile of dishes to be washed. I started to like working and realized that without work, life is boring. Before I went on raw food, I was below average in school. I was a class clown and I never did my homework. I was always hyperactive, and I couldn't sit still. The teachers were thinking of holding me back because I wasn't reading well enough. When I started eating raw food in the middle of fourth grade, I turned into one of the top ten kids in the class. It was interesting because in the first half of the year, I was the worst student, and in the last half, I was one of the best students. The principal himself gave me an award and said he had never seen this happen before. My grades went up. There was a startling difference. I was no longer a D student. I was an A or a B student. I was able to listen to the teacher and enjoy what he was saying and enjoy the process. School became so simple that I dropped out and homeschooled doing two grades in one year. That became easy and I decided to skip high school. I took the placement test at the college and scored well. Now I'm going to community college in Medford. I'm 15 years old. I have a B average in college. I'm pretty happy about that. My relationships with other people changed. Now I attract different kinds of people, those who share my beliefs. But the friends that I had before, the true friends, they stuck with me. When I watch my friends having to wear glasses and braces and getting sick often, having mood swings, I feel sorry for them. I wish I could tell them all that they don't need to suffer. But I know that most of them wouldn't listen to a word I say. I know that the only thing I can do is be a good example. They might never figure out that there are other ways of dealing with their problems. They might never figure out figure this out because wherever they are, they receive false information. In school, they always hear that if you are sick, take a pill. They hear it on TV from parents and from friends. That's why some friends might be skeptical when I tell you when I tell them that if you're raw, you have nothing to fear. You will never get sick, and if you do, raw food will cure you. I wish I could tell my friends' parents that it's very important that they become at least somewhat raw. Their children are counting on them. Maybe the parents aren't sick, but if the kids are, then there's no better reason to become a raw fooder. Such a child will have a happy, fruitful life. He or she will never want to try drugs. Any drug will seem very dumb and unnecessary because a raw fooder's life is already filled with events and feelings that create a sort of natural high. If many more children go on a raw food diet, the world will become a better, cleaner, healthier place to live. Even if people just stop eating meat, there will be a great deal more trees. More trees mean cleaner air. Cleaner air means healthier people. My parents made it easier for me and my sister to stay on raw food by getting us our own appliances, blender, food processor, knives, and so on. That made it easier because we as kids are able to have fun creating our own dishes. But even more importantly, they made it easier for me because they themselves were a good example. They never cheated, no matter how hard it became. This showed me in a sense how much raw food meant to them. Since we are a family, I too started helping my parents by being a good example and never cheating. In no time, we had a sort of cycle going. When one of us was having a hard time, the others would do the best they could to help. It's easier to be successful when you have support. My parents changed a lot from this diet. First, they stopped fighting in general. Then they became a great deal nicer, more open. It's easier to talk to my parents now, knowing that they only want to help me with my problems, not judge me. My parents now give me a lot of freedom. They never ground me or suppress me. They believe that they don't own me, that I own myself. Therefore, they never force me to do something I don't want to do. Even when I'm doing something they don't approve of, they never stop me from learning a lesson on my own. I feel that eating raw food is the right thing to do, and that is why I do it, not because my parents tell me to do it. My parents are really open. They don't say, no, you can't eat cooked food. If I wanted to eat cooked food, I would eat it. But I realize on my own that I don't really want to eat it. I'm really happy that they introduced me to raw food. I hope that anyone who has kids can talk to them about it or just be a good example. Being an an example is the number one way of teaching people. My sister, mom, dad, and I all sleep outside. We have a house, but but only our dog sleeps there. (laughs) We built ourselves a little enclosed area outside so we could sleep and breathe fresh air. I know that breathing fresh air brings me great health. I noticed that when I sleep outside, I always have a deep, peaceful sleep like a baby. I need less sleep and I recover better from a hard day's work. One winter, we lived in a small cabin for a little while. The first thing I had to do in the morning was to build a fire because it was incredibly cold. Chopping wood at dawn woke me up. Two or three times when we traveled, we had to sleep in a motel because of the weather. In the morning, I always felt so heavy as if I had eaten some cooked food. My mom always had a headache has a headache when she sleeps indoors. We try to sleep outside now, even when the weather is really bad. For example, in the rain, we cover ourselves with a tarp. I like what Peace Pilgrim said about it. We are not made out of sugar, therefore we cannot melt. Also, we don't have beds. Instead, we sleep on hardwood floors because we feel it's right. When we lived in Denver, my friends would come over to my house a lot and jump on my soft bouncy bed. As time went on, our thinking started to change and we came around to sleeping on hard surfaces. My dog cut hard oak boards and placed them over each of our beds. When my friend Stephen came over the next day, he tried a face on my no longer soft bed and almost broke his nose. Often people ask me if I crave pizza, chips, or any other popular teen food. I don't remember eating cooked food at all. It has been a while since I ate cooked foods and even the concept of warm food seems weird to me. Why would I want to heat something and stick it in my mouth? Some people share their concern that we can't be social on raw food. I think that's a false theory. Every restaurant would serve you a salad. If they don't have a salad, ask them to bring you sliced zucchini or tomato or carrot or onion or any vegetable that they have without any dressing on it. Ask them if they have olive oil. Ask Always have a little shaker of Mrs. Dash or kelp or spike or other seasoning in your car for such occasions. When we have an appointment at a restaurant, we bring a big watermelon with us. Give it to the chef and ask him to cut it up for us nicely. When the waiter brings cut watermelon on a beautiful tray, our friends forget uh, forget completely about what they ordered because fresh watermelon looks so much better than the picture of the hamburger. The watermelon always seems to go first. Then we give both the chef and the waiter a $5 tip. I began to eat way less on raw foods. Sometimes when I go out to a restaurant with my friends, I just get some tea or not even that. Sometimes I'm not hungry. I just sit and talk to my friends as they are eating their food, though I don't think they understand. I noticed that after about two years of being 100% raw, I started eating really simply. I had, I no longer wanted any gourmet food. A simple salad started to seem 100 times better. I seem to have come closer to nature. Now I enjoy eating whole foods like a carrot or an apple more than I enjoy eating a fancy cake. I'm not saying you should stop eating beautiful gourmet raw food. Instead, what I'm saying is to listen to your body and eventually you might come to eat simpler. I don't get sick anymore, but once in a while I get something called a healing crisis because it takes seven years to fully cleanse the body. Medicine takes the longest to get out of the body. Every once in a while I get a healing crisis It is a type of cleansing that comes suddenly and goes suddenly. You never know when to expect a healing crisis. Not to scare the reader, healing events are actually a wonderful thing. In fact, you should be worried if you don't get them because that means you might have a serious health problem. When someone stays on a raw food diet for even a short period of time, their awareness increases. A well-aware person would never ever hurt anyone or anything. One will instead concentrate on improving one's own self, and by doing so, that person inspires other people to change the way they live. Can you imagine how much a group of 20 inspired people could do? Raw food is not the most important thing in life. In my opinion, the most important thing in life is to be free. Being free means being happy. When you're happy, you're not attached to anything or anybody. You can be happy on top of a mountain, by yourself, or you can be happy in a traffic jam. Though raw food is not the most important thing in life, I still see it as very important because raw food gives people the energy they need to achieve true freedom. Science or Intuition? Victoria. There is no knowledge more important than the knowledge of listening to our body for the sake of our own health. We have an illusion that somebody from the outside can heal us, If anybody in the world can heal us, it is only ourselves. It will take centuries for science to learn the hopelessness of the attempt to push the ever-changing human body into frames of scientific theories. But it is possible to know what we need to do here and now for our health. It is possible to learn how to hear our body's voice. When I started to use my intuition, I knew that I always have had it, and I know that everybody else has it. Everybody is born with intuition. It is our human nature to have intuition. Instead of making an effort to memorize the information, we should try better to hear the message from our own body. Sometimes the cooked foods advocate blame uh, sometimes the cooked foods advocates blame raw fooders with lacking a scientific foundation. The most paradoxical is the fact that raw foodism does not need scientific explanation because it just works. Staying on raw food successfully does not depend on the amount of our knowledge, but from the faith in nature and our organism. Scientifica sounding theories create fear in us, and we cannot be raw fooders successfully. Uh, scientifica surrounding theories. I don't. I've never seen that word before. Scientifica. I think it's scientific sounding theories create fear in us that we cannot be raw fooders successfully. We can get disappointed and step back, like I did for many years. I was conditioned to such a point that, until six years ago, I was not able to say anything for my own self. I was always looking for solutions in a book. Whatever I said was what I read somewhere else or heard from somebody who knows better than I do. I was thinking that whatever I say from myself doesn't have any value. I hope you understand that because many people have gone through the same stages in their life. I thought I could never say anything that has never been said before. I was sure that everything I knew came to me from other books and from other people. Then I discovered that I do know things I never heard and I do have freedom to see and decide for myself. Value's dreams. Imagine a world full of raw fooders. Wouldn't it be wonderful? to be around such healthy people? Because when people are healthier, they tend to be much happier. I went on raw, f- on raw food to be healthier, but now I do it to be happier. When I eat raw food, I feel free and thus happier. I love feeling happy. Don't you? I think happiness is the most important thing in life. Have you noticed that when you are happy, it makes everything seem wonderful? As wonderful as the stars in the sky. Often we think, Let the world become raw first, and then I will. (laughs) It would be so much easier then. It would. That's why being a raw fooder, you help the rest of the world do it. That's why by being a raw fooder, you help the rest of the world do it. Wouldn't it be great if instead of ice cream trucks, there would be frozen wheatgrass popsicle trucks? (laughs) Billboards, instead of promoting hamburgers, would show fresh organic durians. Or maybe there would not be any billboards. Maybe raw food would help clear our minds and make us more conscious. Then maybe there would be less pollution. Then the planet would be happy too. And that is the book. Um, There are recipes that follow for Thai salad. I just can't believe it's just cabbage salad, kale salad, generic recipe for dressing, pesto dressing, cream of celery soup, borscht, generic recipe for chowder, gazpacho, live garden burgers, nori rolls, worthy guacamole, Valia's spicy almond cheese, Sergey's hummus, crunch fries with ketchup, pickles, raw family's green juice, simple crackers, Igor's crackers, dry veggie burgers, Benango smoothie, green smoothie, generic cake recipe, walnut cream cake, unchocolate cake, Sergey's amazing truffles, halva, applesauce, Alice cranberry scones, banana ice cream, amazing almonds, and morning cereal. And the photos, like I said, are awesome. There's one of them in 2004 as a family. There's a picture of Victoria after six months on raw food. There's a picture of a family after uh, they finished the Boulder Boulder 10K race after four months on raw food in 1993. There's a picture of Sergey creating a raw feast for his friends after four years on raw food. Valia enjoying wild malva from a backyard garden in 1997. There's a picture of them at the Pacific Crest Trail at the trailhead on the Mexican border, April 3rd of 1998. Uh, another trail picture, the wild thistle tastes sweet on the trail. They're all eating. Uh, just so it's clear, they ate a lot of um, foraged greens on the trail. Amazing. Um, I remember them talking about um, Igor having a bucket, and they would, like, pick miner's lettuce and stuff all day on the trail and put it in the bucket, and they lived on that for, you know, most of the trip, uh, that was the, I would say, their staple. A picture of them with their rainproof shoes when they had bags on their feet. Um, There's a picture of Valia and Victoria by a blue lake of them in their Teva sandals which were their best hiking shoes they said and their garbage bags their best rain gear ah, here it is, here's his bucket um, that's tied to his backpack collecting wild edibles for meals along the trail picture of Victoria at 7,000 feet with frost on the trees all around her um, there's a picture of a shelter that they built for a couple days and lived on it, uh, lived in it while it rained uh, Victoria at Mount Laguna, a picture of them finishing the Pacific Crest Trail at the Canadian border September 16th, 1998, there's a picture of Victoria in the kitchen at Wellsprings Garden Cafe in 1998, and then there are pictures of beautiful, the most beautiful raw desserts I've ever seen, the unchocolate cake, the almond cake, the firebird cake, they have um, sweet dumpling squash stuffed with the garden burger mixture, living bread, raw Russian borscht. Yeah, so I hope you get this book. I hope you share it with friends and family. Um, I hope you enjoy the recipes and I hope you enjoyed this reading. Again, uh, I can't believe we read the whole book and just too little. Uh, podcast I would have fit it all in one actually um, had I not had to feed my pupper so thanks for tuning in you could have done lots of things with this 83 minutes but you were here with me listening to me read my favorite raw book to you and I really appreciate that I'm very grateful for this for this opportunity and I hope you share this with friends and family um, like, subscribe. I always forget to, to ask you guys to do that. And buy a copy of Raw Family A True Story of Awakening by Victoria, Igor, Sergey, and Valia Batenko. Thank you.